Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. Radio listeners, and welcome to another exciting episode of Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. By your side, you have the faithful Jeremy Ambrose and the triumphant Jovina Graham, and we will lead you through this course where we put Bishop Julian in the hot seat and ask him another question about our faith and the Catholic life. Now, Bishop, I've got one word for you today, deacon. I... We often hear this word around. I know that there were deacons right back in the early church. I know that something's going on with them now in the church, but I've got to say that, that to me it just kind of sounds like it's a guy who's not quite a priest but maybe wants to be. Can you shed some more light on this? I'd be very happy to, to talk about diaconate because it, it is something that I think a lot of Catholics know the term, know the word, have perhaps a little bit like you were saying, some vague idea of what deacons are, but are not clear. Um, one of the things that might be worth starting off by saying is that in terms of the sacrament of holy orders, there are three levels or three expressions of holy orders. There's the bishop, has the fullness of the priesthood. There is the priest, the presbyter, and then there is the deacon. Now, we're very familiar with bishops and we're very familiar with priests. Deacons are a little bit of an unknown. And, uh, and I always like to say that, as it was in the early church, that any diocese is not really complete in terms of its expression of the sacrament of orders if it doesn't have a bishop, it doesn't have priests, and it doesn't have deacons. Now, deacons, as you mentioned, Javina's correctly, were instituted by the apostles. They weren't instituted by the Lord, but they were instituted by the apostles in the early church, mainly because the apostles were finding that the general administration and running of the communities was taking up so much of their time that they weren't able to do their core business, preaching and teaching. And so one of the things that they then proposed was that they would form a, a, an order to particularly look at the charitable work, care for the, the, the widows and the orphans, as they said, uh, would help in the general administration of the church. And they chose men, as they said, of good repute. Um, but these, uh, these men weren't just um, only seen as um, men who would, who would carry out administrative tasks, but we see already Philip the deacon, for instance, uh, was responsible for evangelization as well. So very quickly, it's evident the deacons carried out um, pastoral and, and spiritual evangelizing roles as well as just simple administrative roles in the, in the church. It, it's very interesting when you look at the uh, description of the church, say, in the second century, you, you'll see there are a couple of times where it says, in the Church of Rome, so-and-so was pope, there were X number of um, uh, priests, presbyters, and there were X number of deacons. They might talk about acolytes as well. And this, in other words, this was the way the church was understood to, to be constituted in Rome. And deacons played uh, 
a, a quite a significant role. We we have cases where deacons were actually almost like the right hand man of the of the the, the pope in a lot of the administration and running of uh, of the diocese, and we have deacons exercising a range of uh, of roles. So so deacons um, emerged fairly early in the church and and had a very real part to play in the life of the church. Uh, however, as time went on, deacons declined in their um, in their numbers and, and their positions. There was always deacons around, and the term was sometimes applied. They talked about cardinal deacons and different things. But in time, diaconate became seen as, as a stage on the way to the priesthood. So um, everybody who is a... Um, who's ordained a priest is firstly ordained a deacon. So what we call transitional deacons, so it's a transition from from uh, a lay person through diaconate through to, to the to the priesthood. And and so um, so the diaconate still had a had a role and still had a, a certain identity, but it became um, a temporary position that was adopted. And so the role of deacon was very limited. There was a certain liturgical role the deacon, for instance, is, is the, the, the person who should be the proclaimer of the gospel. Incidentally, he, the deacon's role is also the role of, um, of reading out the petitions in the prayer of the faithful. So if there's a deacon present, the deacon should do the, the prayers of the faithful, mm. uh, for instance. And the deacon also made some of the announcements during Mass, let us stand and let us kneel, uh, those sorts of things. So, uh, and, and then go forth, the Mass is ended. was also something, let us offer each other the, the sign, sign of, of peace. peace. Yep. It's also the role that the deacon um, played. So, so we had that role in the, in the liturgy, but it, it was largely by men who were going to go on to become priests. And so the diaconate as a ministry in its own right really um, subsided in, in the church. But it was one of the reforms of the Second Vatican Council uh, to uh, reinstitute the diaconate as a um, as a, an aspect of holy orders, which stands in its own right. So one of the very important things is that um, this what has now come to be called the permanent diaconate, and the permanent diaconate is also um, largely exercised by married men, so it's, it doesn't require celibacy. Um, but one of the uh, very interesting things about about this is that is that the idea that a man is called to the diaconate. It's, it's quite a specific calling uh, in the church. So, so they're not halfway priests or second-rate priests or anything like that. It's not as though, look, I'd love to be a priest, but because I'm married, I'll become a deacon. You know, it's not it's not like that. It's it's uh, and when we have men who are interested in the permanent diaconate, that's one of the very important things we talk about. This has its own nature, its own character, its own charism, if you like, and we have to. And, and, a, and a man says, "No, I just feel that God is calling me to be a deacon and to serve in this ministry in the church." Well, that's very interesting, Bishop. But what would be the role, I guess, of a permanent deacon past that point? I mean, practically speaking. Hmm. Yeah. The, the traditionally the. Um, the deacon, uh, and, and in the writings of the church at the present moment, the deacon is seen as exercising ministry in three particular dimensions. In the area of the liturgy, and we spoke about that 
already. He also has a ministry of the word, so that's, again, the proclamation of the gospel, but it also flows out into teaching and, and preaching. So, for instance, a deacon could celebrate a baptism uh, and he would preach. So he has a ministry of the word, a preaching ministry. A deacon can celebrate um, a marriage where there's no nuptial mass and uh, he would preach at that as well. And if he's involved in those particular sacraments, he'd also be involved in the formation of people, preparation of people. So a number of the permanent deacons in Sydney, for instance, um, will be seeing couples and preparing them for marriage and then celebrating their marriage, seeing couples prior to baptisms, preparing them for the baptism, celebrating the baptism, and so on. And the third area is the area of charity, which is, if you like, that very initial source of the development of the diaconate. And so... Um, deacons can be involved in, uh, in administration or involved in, in works of charity in a variety of ways. There is one, in, one um, diocese in Australia which has, as the chancellor of the diocese, a permanent deacon. Now that is actually quite ancient in terms of the church's tradition, wow. that he's a married man, he's, he's a permanent deacon, but he's really the bishop's right-hand man. Uh, there, so that's also um, possible for a deacon can take those sorts of roles in the church as well, which is really the ancient tradition of, of the diaconate. Can the can the deacon preach the homily during the mass? The priest, uh, the priest is the normal um, preacher of the homily in the mass. However, uh, he can give that to to a deacon to preach, and it, it will vary from parish to parish. Normally, as I said, normally at a Mass, it's the task of the priest, so he's to be the preacher. But he can invite a deacon to, to preach. It wouldn't be the case that he, the deacon would preach all the time, but on occasions. Some parishes, for instance, have uh, the, the practice that the, the deacon preaches at one Mass on a Sunday, and, and he might go around different Masses. Mm. And the, the priest and the deacon there felt it might be good for the people just to have two preachers, if you like, rather than just the one preacher in the parish. So, so that's something which is worked out at the local level. There's no rules, but it's certainly by way of invitation and not by way of right that a deacon can preach at Mass. Okay, so I'm aware that our archdiocese has an office for the permanent diaconate. What will be the role of um, a man who becomes enrolled as a permanent deacon and how they contribute to the church in Sydney? We've recently reinstituted a diaconate program in the Archdiocese. Back in the, the late 90s, there was a program and a number of deacons were prepared and, and, and ordained, and now we've reinstituted that. Uh, just if, for your interest, uh, in the church at the present moment, there are some 36,000 deacons across the world. Um, some countries have, have pursued it more than others, but uh, some dioceses in some areas, but there are 36,000 deacons. So there, there are considerable presence in the church. Are these permanent? Or these, these are all permanent. Wow. 36,000 permanent deacons in the church. And in Australia at the present moment, there are about 120 right across. Oh, it's a bit across. more than I thought. Yes, it's about 120. Probably Sydney is a, is a little slower than other places in, in, in the uptake, but now we are developing. We, we currently have nine men, for instance, uh, in formation for the diaconate. And um, when they're ordained as deacons, um, 
the, one of the first things is is that they they as married men they are responsible for their own married life and and the diaconate is a service they give to the church it's not necessarily a paid position for instance so so if a deacon would take it take on this role in terms of voluntary service some deacons may be involved employed by the church and and so for instance you could have a hospital chaplain a deacon could be employed as a hospital chaplain as a prison chaplain um, he uh, a, a deacon could be working in uh, in Catholic care or something so it is possible for deacons to uh, work within the church but but by and large we would say that deacons uh, are men who have a normal job in, in, in within the world um, looking after their families but then serve the parish and it's always worked out that at the local level as to what a deacon's gifts are what the needs of the parish are what his time availability is and all those factors are taken into consideration in determining what the the deacon could do. But I know one deacon, for instance, who's responsible for the RCIA in the parish. Um, so they can be given particular areas of ministry as deacons. Uh, the deacons in, in the Archdiocese of Sydney um, train, um, are trained in theology and they, they all uh, need to get a, a degree in theology to give them, if you like, professional competence in being able to preach and teach and, and so on. Can the church, I guess move them around, like how priests move from parish to parish? I mean, with a deacon and a married family, how does that work? Yes, that's, that's a very good question. The, the understanding in the diocese, when a person is ordained a deacon, he's under authority, as a, as a priest is, uh, to, to the bishop. So the bishop then a, a formally appoints him to a parish and can move him from parish to parish. Now, given the circumstances of deacons as married men, Normally they work in their own parish. So they are then, with the agreement of the local priest, they are then formally um, appointed to the parish uh, to work in their local parish. Uh, one deacon, for instance, who's been working, I think, for 10 years in his local parish, just felt it would be nice to, to work in another parish, just to have another experience. So he's now in an, an adjacent parish. So we wouldn't send somebody... To the other end of the diocese, you know, because he's got marriage and family and so forth, and it's a married man. He has to work out. For instance, I know one deacon who says that that on one Sunday a month I don't exercise my liturgical ministry, so I'm with my wife in the pews. So he recognises, and we say that the vocation, the marriage, is the first vocation, uh, and then the second one is the diaconate. So it's very important that the, the um, marriage and family responsibilities are, are respected um, for, the, for the permanent deacons. Hmm. Now, just my final question there for me. Um, sacramentally, what is their role? Because in the midst of all my wedding preparation, my fiancé often just says to me, look, all we need is a deacon. Is that true, that deacons can marry people? The deacons can celebrate the sacraments of baptism and marriage and can do funerals. However, this would always be in a case where there was no mass. Right, uh, of course. So if, if uh, I presume you'll probably be having yeah, a mass. Yeah. So, so normally you'd have a priest or a bishop to, to celebrate uh, your wedding. However, um, I mean, if, if, for instance, you, you, an uncle of yours was a, was a deacon, you could actually ask him to do, within the mass, to do the actual um, 
marriage bright and okay. do, do preparation. So it is possible, but as a general rule, if you're having a nuptial mass, you'd probably have the priest. Uh, similar to what I was saying before, the priest is a normal celebrant, but in particular circumstances, a deacon could step in to, to, to do the role. Wow. Well, maybe your fiancé can think about the diaconate in a few years' maybe time. Maybe he should, Afterwards, yeah. Jovina. But thank you, Bishop Julian. That's, that was great and very informative, and I think it's, it's so important for us to understand what the a little question of my own today and it's partly because comment has been made to me about uh, why do the priests stretch out their hands just before the consecration mm-hmm. extending their hands over the, the, the bread and the wine and uh, so I thought I might ask you that question if you you've probably seen that happen uh, no doubt many times yes <laughs> and maybe there were sometimes there were bells ringing during that time there yeah. might be a bell a bell may ring other other parishes it may not it seems very theatrical it, it is it is a it's a very important moment uh-huh. it's something that uh, perhaps we we're not as aware of its significance as, as we should be as catholics because Obviously for us, the, 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 the high point of the Eucharistic prayer are the words of consecration. Mm-hmm. And very simply, in, in the Eucharistic prayer, uh, we, we are doing what Jesus asked us to do. Do this in memory of me. And so we just re- say again the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper over the bread and the wine. And, and so that becomes, you know, in traditional understanding as Catholics, that becomes the moment of institution when the bread and wine are changed into the body and blood of Christ. This is my body, this is my blood. <clears throat> but just before that, there is another action by the priest where he stretches out his hands over the gifts. And if you notice the prayer, the prayer is an invocation of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now, the, the technical Greek word for that is epiclesis. It's the epiclesis prayer. You'll see that is it in every single Eucharistic prayer. There's always an epiclesis. It's seen as integral to the meaning of what we're doing because while we say the words of, of consecration, this is a moment where we invoke the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. So our words are actually made effective by the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon the bread and wine and changing them in the body and blood of Christ. The epiclesis in, in the Eastern tradition is actually understood to be the real moment of consecration. So while they say the words, in their thinking, and I I fully understand this, and it's certainly not different from Catholic thing, but in terms of the Eastern Rite, that is the moment. And when you think about it, I always often like to link the epiclesis with the Annunciation, because you might remember Mm. when the angel Gabriel said to the Blessed Virgin Mary that she was to be the mother of, of Christ, the mother, mother of God, that um, Mary said, how can this come about? She said, I'm a virgin. And what did the angel say? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And we say it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that Christ was conceived in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
to me, that's a very powerful expression of the meaning of the epiclesis. The power of the Holy Spirit brings now the presence of Christ into the body, into the bread and wine, which becomes the body and blood of Christ. So that epiclesis prayer, when you're at Mass, and that's why we ring the bell, because we, we, we will say so this is a very important moment, mm -hmm. and this is the moment when we're invoking the Holy Spirit. So I always think as Catholics it's good for us to uh, be alert to that at Mass. We, we, we naturally focus upon the, um, the words of consecration, and rightly so, but I think we should give greater uh, recognition of the importance of that moment, that prayer of epiclesis. Wow. Well, thank you, Bishop Julian. Yes, thank you once again for another jam-packed episode of Q&A with Did You Knows and all sorts of good information. Thank you very much, Bishop. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit radio.org.